this principle of reciprocity which people who work in psychology will really understand when you do something for people there is this thing in us naturally to want to give back to somebody who has given us something it doesn't matter if they give you a fruit if they give you money or if they give you free advice you just feel somehow indebted that you've benefited so much from this person and there is something in you that wants to balance that equation right so demonstrating value in advance is one of the most fantastic ways you can build a, a sales strategy and what i love most about this strategy is the quality of customers it gets you every big thing starts small it's a natural law every big multinational corporation was once a small business welcome to the small starter business podcast a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start grow or turn around your business hello and welcome to another episode of the small starter business podcast i am your host as usual john paul iwoha today we're going to be talking about about sales and to be specific sales strategies that have helped me in my business so i want to go back memory lane and even look at things that are going on in my business right now and there are five interesting points i, I would like to share with with you today i don't know how it's going to help you but i'm sure that if it worked for me definitely it's also going to work for you and the reason this topic came to mind is a, a client of mine from like way back from like when i started reached out to me recently and it was like a meeting of um, really old friends he was telling me about uh, the hoops he has been going through trying to find me he lost my number he's been trying to reach out to me online you know things like that and uh, it got me thinking because i'm a very different person from the person who worked for him back then my the quality of my work is better i now know more i can do more you know things like that but i found it quite interesting that he reached out you know after all these years and it got me thinking what did i do or what have i been doing that left such an impression on this man that you know he's been trying to reach out to me and when we spoke i could hear the excitement and the joy in his voice that you know he's finally reconnected you know so and um, i think it's important because if you leave people with that kind of impression and even after seven years you know they are still interested in in looking out for you because they want your opinion they want you to do something new for them especially in a competitive industry like mine i'm not i'm not like the most intelligent person and all that but the the strategies i'm going to share with you today i believe are some of the pillars around the work that i do and have helped to endear me to the small clients that i that i serve right we're, we're still a growing company um but then the the interesting thing about sales strategies is that my my philosophy in sales is to build relationships over transactions now the funny thing about sales that you hear in most places is you have to meet your sales targets you have to sell 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 so most people are just focused on the transactions they want to hit the numbers they want to hit the revenue numbers or the sales numbers so to them it's just a race you know and um, that's the most that's the popular approach but that is not the approach i like to take my approach is slower it's not as sexy it's not as exciting as the as the others but i like it because it has staying power i prefer to build relationships over you know transactions of course with transactions you'll be more known you'll be more popular you'll be more famous you know things like that but the thing is how much substance do you really have 
out of all those volumes that you're making. So that's why I, I thought I should share this with you. If you're the kind of person who is thinking about the long term, you want to build a business that has a solid base that will not easily be shaken if something happens to you, then I think this will be helpful because um, like I said, the cornerstone of my sales strategy is building relationships. And the reason I do it is very simple. When your customer base, when your sales are built on relationships, it leads to easy repeat business. So when people like you, they trust you, they already know you, they are more likely to come back to you whenever they want to do something else that they know that you can help them with. So that is one essential benefit of um, relationships. They help with repeat business. Another thing they do is that they help with referrals. So people who like you and know you and trust you are more likely to recommend you and refer you to their friends, to their family, or anybody around them. It's just common sense, right? When somebody likes you, they are going to talk about you. They are going to recommend you. And they will be ambassadors. You know, they are going to be saying glowing things about you. And it's essentially free marketing because you're not paying for these things. These things are coming straight from the heart. They are saying it because they are happy. They are saying it because they are excited. And they are saying it because they are satisfied with what you mean, what you mean to them. So without further ado, let's go into the specific five sales strategies I want to share with you um, today. And I'm hoping that you can somehow enmesh or embed this in your business somehow, and it will help you yield um, results too in your business. Now, the very first sales strategy that has really helped me, in fact, I would call it the bedrock of my business, is to demonstrate my value in advance. And now, besides the big words, let me explain what this means. So, Yesterday evening, I, I was out with my wife and then if you're conversant with these um, barbecues outside um, in West Africa, especially in Nigeria, they call them the suya people, right? So this is like barbecued, very spicy meat, right? So one common thing that these guys do is the moment you show up at their stand, you know, and you more or less you show up and it looks like you're going to buy, the very first thing the vendor does is that he takes his knife cuts a, a, a slice, a, a tiny slice of the, of the barbecued meat, you know, and then peppers it with some spices and then gives it to you. It's like a free, it's a free token. So it's just for tasting. That's what it does, right? But then what you will notice is that the moment you, 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 you accept that free gift, the moment you accept that token, you're hooked. And what the guy is essentially doing is have a taste of what you're about to buy. You see what that means? I want you to have a taste of what you're about to buy. And it's very powerful when you offer people the opportunity to have a taste of what they're going to buy. Because when you really think about it, most salespeople just focus on the talk. They tell you about all the things you're going to get when you buy this product. They tell you about all the amazing things that will happen to you. It's just talk, 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 right? But when you can offer a potential customer a sample, an opportunity, a risk-free opportunity, to enjoy a sample of what you are about, of what you can do, a sample of your product or a sample of your service. That is the loudest marketing tactic. That's the loudest marketing um, trick you can pull. That it's even much more louder than all the marketing talk. So before you buy, have a taste, right? So I've used this very well in a number of, of, of media. I have, I have over, what, 200, 250 free articles. Many of them are well-researched. I have, um, I have a catalog of free courses on different kinds of business skills from fundraising to sales. Uh, a couple of you who are listening to this might have actually completed one of my free courses. This podcast you're listening to is, is free, right? So I have people who are listening to the podcast. They get the benefit of, 
my knowledge i share my insights and it's all for free right so and i invest time i invest energy i show up at guest appearances i speak at events you know and yes i charge for speaking but then sometimes do i do it out of you know let me go out there and 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 give people a taste of what i'm about now what it does is a couple of many people are not very comfortable giving away a sample of what they do because they are afraid that if they give away a sample that the person will not want to buy anymore well you're right and you're also wrong somehow now there's a segment of 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 your audience who are freeloaders they will never buy from you they just want the free stuff they just keep benefiting from the free stuff and all that right so those guys will always be there and that's not your target market for some of them they don't have the money they can't yet afford your products or your services for some of them they're still sitting on the fence some of them are perpetual cynics and skeptics that will never buy anything right some of them don't want to take any risk so that's not really the kind of person you want to work with even if they make themselves available to be your customer you don't want to work with that kind of person but there is a slice of your audience that becomes drawn to you because they have tasted a sample of what you're about they have benefited from your insight something you wrote helped them something you said helped them they've actually taken your free advice and they're getting real results in their business they're seeing real results in terms of sales in terms in terms of the performance in terms of their personal development as an entrepreneur from your free stuff so the thinking in their minds is if i can learn so much from this guy if i can get this much value for free i only imagine what i'll get if i become a paying customer you see and this is the philosophy i've built my business around and that is why when people come on board when my current clients come on board they are not coming on board like strangers even when we speak for the first time it all sounds like they've known me a long time so what's going on here is that they have been they've been watching me from a distance for quite some time for some of them it's been one year two years three years even four years they've been benefiting from my free stuff they've been applying it they've been getting results and becoming a client of mine becomes an aspiration for them so by the time they join they're no longer strangers they already understand the way i think my methods when they join it's easier for us to become friends because they are not strangers they've been in my ecosystem for quite some time so that's the benefit i see of demonstrating value in advance when you demonstrate value in advance when you give people a sample of what you can do it acts like a magnet that draws people to you and the truth is not everybody will buy but those people who buy turn out to be very fantastic customers and they are the kinds of people who will call you back even after they have lost your your contact information and all that they call you back from the past and they are very excited to be to be in touch with you again so i guess that is that is um, one thing there's nothing to be afraid of when somebody is giving you something in advance and you know this principle of reciprocity which people who work in psychology will really understand when you do something for people there is this thing in us naturally to want to give back to somebody who has given us something it doesn't matter if they give you a fruit if they give you money or if they give you free advice you just feel somehow indebted that you've benefited so much from this person and there is something in you that wants to balance that equation right so demonstrating value in advance is one of the most fantastic ways you can build a, a sales strategy and what i love most about this strategy is the quality of customers it gets you like i explained they, they come in as people who already understand you who are already in love with you even though you're not aware of it but they've been observing you from a distance so that try and find a way to demonstrate the value that you offer in advance right so so that's um that's one thing about and when you're doing it do it 
you, you should do it genuinely. It shouldn't be like you are trying to hide, you're, you're, you're consciously trying to hide your best stuff. I'm not afraid of sharing my best stuff in the open, right? I've, I've done it many times and it's never stopped people from, you know, being my clients, right? So don't be afraid of giving away your best stuff because the more of you you give out, the better you build your credibility and the more quality you attach to, to your person. The second strategy I want to talk about is to focus on the end result and not just the scope of work, right? So when people buy stuff, they usually buy it because they, there's, a, there's something particular they're trying to achieve, right? So somebody might buy, a, somebody might buy, for example, to give you an example from my business, somebody might join a course or buy a product to learn how to write a business plan. That's what they bought from you. And you delivered what you promised. When you finish this course, you'll be able to know, you'll know how to uh, develop a professional business plan. That's what you sold to that person. And that's what the person wanted to buy. But the truth is, nobody is really excited about writing a business plan. A business plan is a, sometimes is a difficult document to write. It requires a lot of thinking. It requires a lot of creativity. It requires a lot of discipline for you to sit yourself down and actually prepare it. So nobody pays money to buy work. People don't, people don't buy work. They don't pay money to buy work. It's not exciting. People pay money for results. So that guy who is buying or that lady who is buying a business plan course is not buying uh, the, the course for the fun of it. They are not buying it because they enjoy writing business plans. It's very likely they are buying it for one of two reasons. It's either they are on their way to raise money. They are trying to raise money. So they are trying to put their documentation together or they are trying to crystallize their thoughts so that they can better communicate the kind of business they're trying to build to a potential co-founder, potential business partner, potential supplier, potential employees, right? So that's the end result that that person wants. So when you're trying to sell to somebody, you need to keep the end in mind. What's, what is this person trying to achieve, right? So is this person trying to buy this dress because it is green and beautiful, or is it because they really want to impress somebody at that wedding event they are going to? So you need to think of the end in mind. And when you have the end in mind, you are able to touch some buttons that even the customer may not even know that they had. And that's because you're not looking at results. You're saying, you know what? You don't need to buy this product. It's not necessary because it's not going to help you get to your end results. And that, that reminds me of... Um, Somebody, uh, there's, there's a guy who has like an auto shop. He sells um, auto supplies for, for cars. And the other day, this happened like what, early this year. I, I drove over to his, um, to his shop and I wanted to buy transmission fluid, you know, for my car because I felt the, the, the gear wasn't, you know, engaging properly. So I thought maybe the, the transmission fluid had already gone bad. So I needed to change it. So, and what do I know, right? And of course, I'm one of those mechanical engineers who really cannot help themselves. So I, I headed over there and I told him I wanted to buy transmission fluid. And the first thing he said, you know, normally the, the normal thing a salesperson would do is, here's the transmission fluid, give me the money. That's what people are focused on. If you're focused on a transaction, that's what you do. This is what you want to buy. Here it is, here it is give me the money. What this guy said, because I, I mentioned that I suspect that the oil may be bad. And then he asked me, where did you park your car? I just said, just by the side of your shop here. And then he walked out of his shop, asked me to open the, the, the bonnet or the hood. I don't know where you are listening to this from, but in my part of the world, it's called the bonnet, right? And then I opened it and then he, 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 he took out the stick from the gauge 
and he looked at the oil he smelt the oil you know people know in this businesses they know what to look out for he smelt the oil he looked at the oil and he said bro there's nothing wrong with this oil it's fine right so just imagine what just happened there this guy had the opportunity to sell me something i had come to buy but because he understood what my real pain was he overlooked what i was trying to buy and then he actually did something in my best interest he told me that there's nothing wrong with this oil maybe you need to ask your mechanic to check but there's nothing wrong with this oil so just because of that singular act there is no other spare parts person i trust more than that guy if i have any problem whatever i go to him i in, i instinctively believe that he's going to give me the best prices and he's going to do what is in my best interest these are and i need you to notice something these are my assumptions i'm making these assumptions they may not be true but why am i making these assumptions i'm making these assumptions on the basis of a singular act that this guy did he looked out for me he looked out for my best interest so on that basis he's somebody i can trust and so far since then i bought several other things from him i don't have any reason to complain i even find that he he even costs less his prices are lower than many of the other people around there so this is how in, in as far as i'm concerned he may not be aware of this but as far as I, i'm concerned i i think we have a relationship right i see him as a trusted person if i if anybody if i ever come across anybody who needs to buy supplies he's the person i'm going to recommend right and this is just happening because of one singular act because the guy focused on the end result and advised me accordingly even though he for he had to forfeit his sale but since that time i've bought several different things from him so he's even more than made up for the sale he lost that day so it's very important that when you are dealing with clients there might be the temptation to sell now even though you know that that thing you're selling may not really be the results may not really provide the result that the client is looking for you know so the temptation is to just grab the money today but then you lose a lot of opportunity down the road. You lose the repeat business. You lose the capacity of that person to become an ambassador for your business. You lose all the potential referrals and recommendations that person may have done to your business. So that is one thing I think um, has helped. There's also another story that comes to mind on this same point. I think it was three years ago. I had a client on our online subscription service who had finished paying off her, her payment plan. So she was supposed to pay for the product over a six year over a six month period and then i noticed maybe because she dropped off in the middle of it and i had to get her back on board so i think that messed up with the timing of the subscription but bottom line is i noticed that she was charged for the seventh month right so she was supposed to only pay for six months but i noticed there was a charge for the seventh month she didn't notice it she didn't get back to me on it the moment I noticed that I initiated, I asked my guys to initiate a refund and then she was refunded. And then I just sent a quick email to say, I'm sorry, your, char your card was charged, but we noticed that you have finished paying for this product. So there's no need for you to be, uh, for, for us to charge you anymore. So it was just a normal thing to do. I believe anybody who, who believes in right and wrong instantly knows that that's the common thing to do right you wouldn't just allow a couple of dollars to mess up your integrity and all that and i wasn't really doing this from the stance of integrity and all. that's not the point the point is if somebody did it to me i wouldn't like it right so i just refunded and unknown to me i was having a conversation the other day with some other person and 
the guy was like, you know, the way um, I, I was speaking to, to somebody the other day. And what a small world. She actually says she's on your program. And she was saying all sorts of glowing things about you. All sorts of, you know. And I was really, really surprised because I didn't know that that conversation was happening, right, in some other place. And, you know, it's a small world. You never know that somebody you know knows somebody else you know. And, you know, I think the thing that defines a person's character is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So these are just some of those small things I, I thought I should um, mention. Now, the third strategy I want to talk about is payment plans. And, um, Unfortunately, I stumbled on this a bit late. I wish I knew what the, um, how powerful this strategy was. Now, the reason payment plans are important is, in fact, let me, let me even uh, give you a surprise. I'm sure you, you'll be aware of it. But take America, for example. The United States of America is the world's biggest economy. It's also the, world, it's also the, the, um, the, 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 the economy or the country in the world that has one of the largest rates of consumption. People spend, people buy things in America. They buy houses, they buy cars, they buy um, luxury items, they go on trips, right? People spend a lot in America. But what, what some people may not realize is that the American consumption is run on a credit system. So, for example, in many parts of Africa where you can only buy a car until you have the full price of that car. In America, you can have, take out a car loan or take out a lease on a car. So you're just paying small amounts every month, right? You don't need to have the full amount. So that way it's possible that you're, you're driving this car for three months and then you switch over to a Mercedes, switch over to a Lexus, you know, because you're not paying the full price. It's easy for you. In many parts of Africa, if you want to buy a house, because mortgage, um, the mortgage service is not like fully penetrated, most people who have to buy a house have to have the full price of that house before they can buy a house. In America, you have a mortgage. They spread the mortgage for you over, what, 20 years, 25, 30 years. So you pay over 30 years. But in many parts of Africa, you pay that money today. If you want the house today, you pay the full price today. You want the car, you pay the full price today. You want that um, uh, beautiful watch or whatever, you pay the full price today. And that's because the credit service is not yet as common within many uh, countries in Africa as it is in the West. Now, what is my point? My point is this. What if everybody in America, and by, I'm using America as an example, uh, as an example of um, the developed world where the credit system is very much entrenched. What if you said in America that people could only buy cars if they had the full money? That means no credits. People would only buy cars if they had the full money. If you want a house, you need to have the full money. No, no mortgage, right? You want to buy a car, have the full money. No car lease payments, nothing like that, right? How big would the American economy be? The American economy be? So when I started my business, I was running it on this notion that you know this is how much my service costs. This is how much this product costs. If you can't afford it, then maybe you shouldn't be my client, right? And that was what informed the prices I was setting back then. But then you have to realize that Africa is an emerging economy. It has significant growth potential. But the purchasing power is still low in many parts of the continent. So it's just a tiny proportion of the market that will be able to pay full price for anything you're asking for. And because they don't have access to credit, they may like your product, they may want the product, but they can't afford the product because you're asking for full price. But what if you spread the payments and say, pay over the next six months or over the next one year, or just pay a small amount for life every month, you know, like a subscription. So 
this is a strategy I, I started quite late in my own reckoning. And I wonder why it took me so long to, you know, come to terms with that. Because when you really think about it, almost everybody is doing it. Uh, Netflix is doing it. Um, Amazon is doing it. Almost everybody. So something that normally would have cost maybe $500, right, as a one-off purchase, people can afford that same thing for $10 a month or $5 a month. So rather than selling a product at full price, what you're selling is access, monthly access. So that is one thing I, 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 I discovered quite late. And the thing I, I also discovered is that spreading payments helps you to build engagement and loyalty. And I saw this firsthand. Uh, one of my early products that I launched, the, the Roadmap program, that is now part of the Insiders program, right? So I had a gentleman from the US purchase that product at full price. I think then it was $499, $500. The man paid full price. And the roadmap program is a very hands-on, detailed, it, it requires you to engage with the content if you want to get the results, right? Then I also had these clients who did, who were on a payment plan and they were paying, I think, $99 a month for six months or so. Now, one thing I noticed, the guy who paid the full price, $500, the guy never used that course. When I checked the, the logs, on the back end, he never logged in, he never watched one single video, he never did anything. He just paid $499 and he was off. And I'm wondering who pays $499 and doesn't use what they paid for, you know? But then I look at the people who were on the payment plan that were paying month to month. Many of the alumni who were on the payment plan are the ones who have won international prize awards in competitions. They are the ones who have raised money. They are the ones who actually finished the course from beginning to end. They are some of my most um, prestigious alumni. They are the ones I, I like to exalt as what can happen when you invest time and energy as an entrepreneur to learn the skills that you need. So that's another, un, um, an, another unintended consequence or benefit of payment plans. I notice that when people spread the payments, it gives them an incentive to follow through and get value as they go. So that might be something you may need to consider in your business. Is it that your product right now looks expensive? Or the question is, who wants your product? Who likes your product but cannot afford your product? So you know that they like it, they want it, they have a problem that you can solve. And they will use the product. The product will be beneficial to them. The only problem is they cannot afford the product. Is there something you can do? Is there something you can do? to bring down the price point so that people can can come on board. I think in the last three months, we launched the funding masterclass. And that is our first experiment in the low price range. So for the very first time, I have a product that is set at $9 a month. That's the lowest we've ever done. And what we're trying to test for is to see if people who like what we offer, who want what we offer, but have been held back because they cannot afford it, either because they are students, they don't have a job, they're in the middle of a financial crisis or whatever. If you lower the price point and allow those people come in, what will be the impact? So right now, I'm still, we're still testing this and we'll, see, we'll get to see how it goes. So don't forget, so far, um, we've, I've talked about three of the five strategies. I talked about demonstrating value in advance, giving people a taste of what you can offer before they actually pay for it. The second is I talked about focusing on the end result, not just what the customer wants to buy now or the scope of work that they're offering to you now. The third is I talked about payment plans, right? Now, the fourth strategy that has really worked well for me is exceeding expectations, 
providing more value than the client asked for. Now, that may be counterintuitive. Who, why would you do more than you were asked to do, right? And the reason is this. If you do what you're asked to do, then you're just normal. You're just, you're just there. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing remarkable about doing what you're asked to do. I asked you to do ABC. You did ABC. There's no big deal there. We had a, it's a transaction, right? But when you go beyond, because you understand the end goal, the results, which goes back to number two, what that I talked about, focusing on the end result. Because you understand what value means to the customer, when you go beyond what the client expects, you become remarkable. It's, it becomes, you, be, you make yourself memorable. People remember you because you went, you did extra. These days, who does extra? Right? Everybody's selfish. Everybody just wants, you know, for their pockets. Everybody just wants now, now. Everybody wants to double their money by tomorrow, right? So, so you look dumb when you're doing more than you were asked for. You know, putting in that additional effort in the results, in the way things look, in the way things present themselves, you know, putting in that extra effort. It, sometimes it doesn't cost more. It doesn't cost much more, but it just helps you stand out. And, you know, but the thing with quality, but the thing with going above and beyond, which is my own de definition of quality, right? Uh, making yourself remarkable is that not everybody will appreciate it, right? Some people may not notice it. So that's why I need to put in this caveat. You need to make sure you only give clients, you only give quality to clients who know and deserve its value. You may not know now, but with experience, you'll find out the kinds of people who deserve your, your additional quality, the kind of customers who deserve you to go above and beyond and those are the people you're trying to build relationships with because it helps to build and cement the the relationship so it's also important to remember that quality is expensive you know when you go above and beyond it will cost you time it will cost you money right but if you look at it as a long-term investment what it's going to mean is that when people are talking about you in the room and you are not in the room imagine what they're going to be what they're going to be saying about you so it, it's, it's a painful investment, but it can be worth it, right? Sometimes I, I look at my project folders and I see the quality of work I've done for some people and the amount of money they paid for me, the amount of money they paid me back then. I'm like, oh, these people were using me. But then I, I caught myself, they're not using you, right? I even got something out of it. Because I disciplined myself to go extra, I'm building my competence. I'm becoming better and better and better and better, right? And when I become better, I get the confidence to charge more. So in the end, it's some sort of win-win, but you are going to kiss a few frogs before you end up um, finding your feet and um, mastering your niche. So that's it for the fourth point. And then the fifth point, the fifth strategy I want to share with you today is to not force a sale. Now, how many times have you been somewhere and then a stranger walks up to you and they're trying to sell something to you, right? You don't know me. We've never met before. You don't know what I want, what I'm interested in, what I need, what problems I have. You're just focused on yourself. You just want me to buy this thing from you. And I can't think of anything that is more selfish than that. I can't think of anything that is more unnatural than that. In fact, the closest um, comparison I can give is you're a guy, you're a guy, so you walk up to a lady that you're just seeing for the very first time because she looks ravishing and beautiful. And then you just go down on your knees and say, uh, marry me 
That's not how it works, right? That, you wouldn't do this when you're trying to get into a real relationship with somebody. So why would you do it in a sales process? And sales is all about relationships. It's about helping people solve problems. It's about helping people meet the needs that they have. It's about helping people fulfill their desires. But how can you fulfill somebody's desire? How can you help them solve a problem that they have if you don't take out the time to find out if they have the problem in the first place? So I think it's strange. People walk up to you at events, on a bus while you're just taking a walk down the road and they're saying, I have this, uh, these apartments, I have this luxury, um, buy. Everybody, uh, buy, 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 buy. That's how it works, right? Or maybe for some people it works, right? I'm not castigating that approach if it works for you. But for me, it's, um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel normal, you know, if I have to do such a thing. I, I just feel very slimy. I feel very awkward that I'm trying to sell something to a stranger and I don't even understand who this person is. So you need to court people first. You need to get to know if you have mutual interest, if they have a problem that is relevant to you, right? If they have a need that you can solve. And sometimes you meet people, they don't have a problem that you can solve. They don't have a need, but they can lead you to somebody. They can lead you to potential customers down the road. They can talk to you about, some, about, about something. So... The reason why this is important of not forcing the sale when you meet people for the first time is that you need to focus on life cycle selling versus one-off selling. Most people are focused on one-off selling. I, I, I sold to 200 people this month. That means I met my target. Then by next month, I'm looking for a fresh set of 200 people to sell to so I can meet my target. So it's just about transactions and targets and transactions and targets, right? But if you focus on life cycle selling, what it means is that the moment you land one customer, you're going to be having a customer that will be with you for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, or probably for life. So would you rather that kind of customer or always being on the treadmill and looking for fresh customers and fresh customers? So it's not strange that they say that an existing customer is far more valuable than new customers, which more or less lends the point to that idiom that says, a, a bird in the hand is worth two or more in the bush. That bird you have in your hand is worth two or more. So I don't subscribe to the whole treadmill selling. Sometimes I see it on Instagram. I see people who are just trying to sell direct, direct. It works for them, right? If it's your mojo, of course, stick to it. If it's, if it's something that aligns with your personality, you know, fine. But for me, I, I've, I've, done, I'm not, I've done quite fine. I'm not right like on the fast lane, but I think I'm happy with building relationships the slow way and then allowing things grow organically, you know, have that kind of slow, slow burn. That's just my kind of person. You may be different if you, if you prefer the aggressive one of sale type transaction type person, then of course, knock yourself out. So like I said, when you don't force the sale, it may eventually not lead to a sale. That person may end up not being your customer, but they could be the bridge or the channel to potential customers, solid introductions, right? Solid connections and things like that. So you don't want to force these things um, right, out, uh, right out of the gate. So at this point, let's recap. In this episode, I'm, I've talked about five interesting strategies that have really helped me, you know, in, in my business. And um, like I mentioned, the first, the first strategy is to demonstrate value in advance when you can give people a feel, a taste, or a sample of what you can do. It speaks louder than whatever marketing or sales pitch that you have. The second point is to focus on the end result 
not just what the customer wants to buy. If you understand the problem that the customer is trying to solve, you understand the pain, you understand the need, understand the desire, you can be much more valuable to that customer than just focusing on selling them that thing today so that you can meet your sales quota or your, your sales target. The third is payment plans. There are people in your audience who like you, they like what you sell, they want what you sell. The only reason, the only reason they, they're not customers yet is they can't afford it. So that's where payment plans come in. Is there a way you can just create something for those kinds of people where they can come in at a lower price point, they can have access, you know, and still become part of your ecosystem. And then the fourth thing I talked about is exceeding expectations, providing more than the clients asked for as a mark of creating a differentiator for yourself, creating a competitive advantage for yourself, going above and beyond for those people who understand that value so that you can make yourself indispensable to those kinds of people. So that four or five years or even 10 years down the road, they are looking out for you because they know that, you know, if they work with you, they are going to be in safe hands. There's just something about the way you work, the way you present things, the way you pay attention to the small details and things like that. So why not be that person in a world where everybody's looking for the next sale, the next sale and the next sale. And then the, the fifth point I talked about is not forcing a sale. There are sometimes you run into people, you're under pressure to sell to them. But before you sell to somebody, you need to find out if that person actually needs what you're offering, right? So, and that's what everybody's doing. They're handing out business cards. They're trying to sell you something on the spot. You can't even remember my first name, right? We just met. You don't know me. You don't know. And you just want to sell something to me. That's not how you would do it if you're going to start a conversation or you're trying to build a relationship. If you're going to go into a relationship with a lady, right? You, you can't just see her the first day and ask her to be your, your wife. That's not how it works, right? So there's a process to, to these things. So at this point in the episode, let's talk about our, our interesting sponsor. Our interesting sponsor, Queza, K-U-U-E-Z-A. When it happens, you, I want you to remember that you heard about this company on the Small Starter Business Podcast. Queza is opening access to markets for businesses on the African continent. Queza is allowing businesses in Ghana, in Nigeria, Kenya, Cote d'Ivoire, across the African continent to access markets that were previously out of reach. We have people on the platform who are exporting honey from Cameroon to the US. We have people who are shipping shea butter from Nigeria to South Africa. Imagine what the potential can be, right? So right now, the biggest problem on the African continent is that we don't do enough business with ourselves. And worse still, most of the world doesn't really know what they can get from Africa. Besides the raw cocoa and raw, raw coffee and then the crude oil, the world is still waiting to discover what Africa has to offer, right? So for, for any small business or mid-sized business, you are interested in accessing foreign markets. You want to get customers who can pay you in foreign currency. You want to access markets in East Africa, in Southern Africa, Northern Africa. Queza is the platform you need to be. I see this platform as Africa's own version of Alibaba because that's what Alibaba did for China. Alibaba created a platform for SMEs, small and mid-sized businesses in China to have access to global markets. And today, almost everybody is using Chinese-made products. So if you sell a product and you're looking for market access, go to the App Store, whether you use an Android device or an Apple device, and search for Queza Seller. That's Queza, K-U-U-E-Z-A, Seller. That will show you the app for people who, who want to sell their products and access markets on, on Quesa. If you're looking for interesting products, 
If you're trying to source products from across the African continent, whether you're within Africa or outside Africa, go to your app store, whether Android device or Apple device, and search for Queza user, Queza user, K-U-U-E-Z-A user. When it happens, don't forget you heard it the first time here. So at this point in the episode, let's talk about four important things. The first is to join the Insiders program, right? Now, the Insiders program is our community of entrepreneurs who are building businesses in several different countries within and outside the African continent. So we started this platform just at the turn of this new decade. And our goal is within the next 10 years to build shakers, people who have grown their businesses from just ideas into growing businesses, want to create a lot of jobs, we want to be a platform for innovation. We want our entrepreneurs to be celebrated. Now, there is no one single event that makes you a super entrepreneur. There's no one course. There's no one MBA. There's no one program that's going to do that for you. Like everything in life, entrepreneurship is a daily activity, is a daily skill. So the people you surround yourself with are very important and they will determine how far you can go right so that's what we're doing in the insiders community we are a community of people who are thinking about business every day we are growing businesses in different parts of the world in nigeria ghana botswana we have people outside the african continent in the diaspora you know kenya Cote d'ivoire the drc so if you're an entrepreneur you are at the idea stage or you've already started your business or you're already running your business, right? And you're going through all these challenges like how do I raise money? How do I sell more? How do I set up systems in my business so that it doesn't always depend on me so that anytime I travel, the business doesn't just crash. How do I think through start strategy? How do I enter a new market? How do I close a deal with a potential investor? These are daily decisions that show up. And the way the problem starts is you make one wrong decision and then it leads to other problems and you are faced with fighting fires one year, three years, five years. So that's why we've built this community. We're surrounding ourselves with people who are focused on the same direction. Why keep it to yourself, right? I'm not keeping this to myself. So of course, I expect you to do the same. Share the love, right? Talk to your smart friends. Tell them about the Small Starter Business Podcast. They get on Google, they Google Small Starter Business Podcast. Guess what? Number one, Small Starter Business Podcast. You go in there, we have over 60 episodes for you to listen to. This is rich, hands-on, practical, and absolutely free information that you're getting. So I implore you, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Tell other people about it. And they are going to thank you for helping them discover this platform. The other thing you can do is if you, if you think we deserve a pat on the back, right? The best way to do that is to give us a five-star review. Now, besides being a boost to our ego and telling us, you know, well, you know, just keep doing this job. There are people who are listening to you out there. The other thing it does for us is it makes it easier for the algorithms to rank us higher on the uh, podcast platforms so that other people can easily find us, right? So that would be very helpful. And of course, like I said again, there's no point rethinking it. You've been listening to this for weeks or months or even years. You are the kind of person who wants inside the insiders community. You're going to love it in there, right? So um, we have people who joined since the first day and they've never left, right? So because it's not just about me. There's, I don't know everything, but I know the things I know, I know them quite well, right? But there are other entrepreneurs in there who are in different countries, who have had different experiences, have different perspectives. The power we have is that when we combine our forces, we can do things that are much bigger than we can do individually. So give it some, some, some time. Think about it. To learn more about the insiders, you can find us at smallstarter.com insiders. 
Again, it is smallstarter.com slash insiders. Until the very next episode, I implore you to look at sales as a process of building relationships and not just transactions uh, to meet your next quota or your next target or your next sales target, right? In the end, you're going to build a formidable base of customers who don't want to lose touch with you, who will fall in love with you, keep bringing more jobs your way, keep referring people to you, and keep speaking, keep saying glowing things about you when you're not in the room. I look forward to the very next episode. Take care of yourself. Always dream big. Always, always dream big. But the best way to start is to start small. I'm out. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.